Welcome to Testimony, a musician story. Heard at TestimonyStories.com and narrated by myself, Brown Theory, the music lover constantly seeking positive music. Let's get started. Derek Minor, formerly known as Pro, was born Derek Lawrence Johnson Jr. in Pontiac, Michigan on December 16, 1983. He grew up in a single-parent home with his younger sister. His father was a jazz guitarist who lived the stereotypical musician life of drugs and women and ended up following a daughter and son who he and DJ didn't learn about until DJ was 12 years old. He never connected with his older sister nor his younger brother until years later when he went searching for them. So for most of his childhood, DJ was an only child. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey Teddy P. I appreciate you letting me borrow your beat, man. Shout out to young Josh the conviction. What it do, y'all? Sometimes we gotta ask, where would I be? Check it out. I was born to a single mama, had to raise me without a dollar. Forget the drama, but some reason it seemed to follow. Got a little sister, and we both got different fathers. Mama worked a whole lot, so I practically raised a daughter. See in the yak, it's no jobs, paying green. So my I grew up in a small town called Columbia, Tennessee. Born in Michigan, and then when I was six years old, my mom got a, a job at the Saturn Corporation. It was like a really good job because we grew up in a typical urban neighborhood in Michigan. My mom was like, she wanted to get us out of that situation because the crack house was next to us. Like, it was kind of crazy. Like, but Michigan is grimy like that. Cats was breaking in our house. I remember having bars on the window. So my mom was like, I'm trying to get out of here. So she got us out of there and moved us all the way from the middle of the city to the country. I grew up on five acres of land, and it was in a small school. DJ was not a fan of the South, so every chance he got, he went back to Michigan with his father. So he spent his summers in the city, a life in which he grew accustomed to, and the school year in the South, which was completely foreign to him. Come and take a walk with me. Let me show you where I came from. It's tunnel vision, no dreams where I came from. A lot of my folks in the hood and loving. They don't want to see you out like crabs in a bucket. Me, I'm just a kid with a gift, with a past and spit. But it's a couple people hoping I quit. I'm cool with it. Y'all should know the way that I run. And I'd rather swallow rocks before I bite my tongue. That means I get the truth whether you want it or not. They can't do it on my level while the haters is hot. The streets need somebody. That's real. Somebody with a message that the world can feel. We moved down to the South. They were my first day at fourth grade. I got on a bus. I hear some guys whispering in the back. So I'm like, oh snap, we finna get, I'm finna get into a fight. First day of school. I hear somebody say, 
hey, you grease monkey or porch monkey or something like that. And I turn around and they spit on me. I used to have glasses. They used to call me Urkel. So I remember my glasses, they hit my glasses and like spit was just rolling down my glasses like this big old glob of spit. So I think that experience is crazy because I grew up in an area where I've seen the best of both cultures. I've seen the best of white and blacks, and I've seen the worst of them. It's been cool. It's kind of really shaped me as a person. Once little DJ hit puberty, the racial slurs and the teasing came to an end. After eighth grade, I got contact lenses and the acne cleared up. I grew like six inches. I went from like five, six to six foot. Like it was just crazy. Like nobody picked on me that much anymore. <laughs> I was a lot taller. I was a lot stronger. When you're picked on a lot, you either become one or two things. You become really, really angry or you become somebody that, that has it. I guess my nature is just I have a sharp mouth. So like, I could I could tell people like I could tell people off, play the dozens. I started to become a little bit cooler. At school, he was a cool kid, but at home, things were a bit more complicated. Uh, hope y'all mind if I come real with y'all. Some cats want to glorify the street life, but on the real. Well, my stepdad was addicted to drugs. He was a crack cocaine addict. But like, I remember some summers when I would go see my dad, we would come back and, like, we'd have stuff stolen. I mean, my stepdad would have pawned our television, pawned our dog on VCR, whatever. You know, one day, I remember he showed our car to a dude and they did some, like, I... If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, but I believe they did like a drive-by in that club and then jumped it off, and we wound up finding it. The crazy thing was, on the back of our license plate, it had our family's last name on the back of that mud. Like, if you listen to my music, you'll notice I talk a lot about drugs, dope, like, not having a dad, like, because that really shaped my paradigm. Like a lot, like I get so frustrated when I hear dudes talk about like, yeah, I'm selling dope, whoop de whoop, because I'm like, I grew up hating a dope man. I grew up hating a dope man and my stepdad. You know what I'm saying? And my dad. You know what I'm saying? He was on his. My dad wanted to be Jimi Hendrix, so he just kind of was living the rock star lifestyle, doing that kind of stuff too. So I grew up hating a dope man. Like, man, I hate this dude. Like, this dude is all in my family. Like what you're hearing so far. Check us out at TestimonyStories.com. That's TestimonyStories.com, where you can hear content for you and about you. Everyone has a testimony. Everyone has a testimony. And we want to hear yours. Tell us how God has transformed your life. Each month, we will select a person to highlight and interview. Find out more at TestimonyStories.com. Testimony. Testimony, where Christian hip-hop artists give you an exclusive look into their lives and their music. Take a journey into the minds of today's top Christian hip-hop artists as they open up and share about their past, their faith, 
and their music in ways you've never heard before. Put on your favorite pair of headphones or turn the stereo volume up and listen. His mom was a devout Christian, and his stepfather was a self-professing Christian. So DJ was a little judgmental towards people who call themselves Christian. Riddle me this, riddle me that. Riddle me that. Why if I wanna rap, I need a strap. A couple goons cooking crack, posted up in a trap. I don't understand that. But if I wanna tell y'all that we never got the vibe, to my step that we're gone with a nose full of pride. And my mama used to work 40 hours on the line, probably thinking that I'm lying or I'm. I'ma tell y'all to sell dough. Sell dough. I watched the dope man make my family broke. Uh huh. I understand that you're trying to survive, but my pop's smoking hard and I'm watching him die. So excuse me if I ain't trapping on the beat, but I'm rapping for that boy that got his mammy in the streets. And she twerking for that rock. If my album never pop, I listen to the homie Doc who said. I used to get so mad at him because he would be like, yeah, got this, got that, got this, got that. And then he would go out and we want to see him for like days. So I'm like, what in the world is going on? And I'm like, how you going to sit here and talk about God and you act this way? But that's why I started getting, I guess, disenchanted with Christianity. Like, I looked at Christians, a lot of them, I'd be like, man, just most Christian people are fake. Like, my mom is like the exception. Despite the fact that his father was trying to live the Jimi Hendrix rock star life, his musical career did play a hand in inspiring DJ to be the rapper, writer, producer, and record label owner that he currently is. When I was 12, one of those summers when I was back at home with my dad, my dad had this keyboard called an ASR-10. He would find dudes that was local, and he was just recording. Bring them in, he hooked the mic up to it, and you could actually record people into the keyboard, so he would make beats and all of that. So one day, there was this dude, he was called Devilish D. They was having like a freestyle session in the basement. And then all of a sudden, I just hopped on the mic and just started freestyling. You know, I'm 12 years old. It probably was probably the wackiest rap of all time. But my dad was like, yo, my son killing all y'all on this mic. So that whole summer when I, when I was 12, all we did was make beats and record. Every summer, I look forward to going back to Michigan to rock with my dad. I only saw my dad in the summers. So this dude at my church, he had a keyboard. So I would record stuff on the church microphone every Christmas between the age of 13 to 18. I always asked for music equipment. By the time I was 15, I had the, the 8-track recorder, 
I had the keyboard, and then I would make beats, make songs, and I would sell them in the school hallways for like five bucks a pop. My freshman year of college, I asked my mom to help me get a Motif 8, which is, I use that to this day. I always was a real conscious type rapper, but I had to rap about God if I was going to live in my mom's house. Like, she wasn't going to have that. Once I got to college, I kind of reinvented myself less as the Christian guy and more as the music guy. So when I was doing that, just was out selling CDs in the, uh, they called it the KUC. I was selling CDs and people would get my CDs and doing talent shows and different things like that. <laughs> they didn't believe me when I said I was bound to blow. The whole world loves me because I spit with a classic flow. It's classic, baby. They didn't believe me when I said I was bound to blow. Hello, the deal. The whole world loves me because I spit entertainment. with a classic flow. Testimony. Testimony, where Christian hip-hop artists give you an exclusive look into their lives and their music. Take a journey into the minds of today's top Christian hip-hop artists as they open up and share about their past, their faith, and their music in ways you've never heard before. Put on your favorite pair of headphones or turn the stereo volume up and listen. Connect with Testimony and Musician Story through social media. Find links to our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more at TestimonyStories.com. a four-year academic scholarship to Middle Tennessee State University and graduated with a BA in music business. Like most college kids, when he wasn't studying, he was partying. I know it's nothing good inside me. My evil mind used to blind me. Till the spirit came to unbind me. Now I'm like, use me, otherwise I'm Funny thing was, I called myself a Christian, but I used to go out and, you know, have sex with girls and do all these different types of things. So it's funny how I would judge others for being a fake Christian, and I was a fake Christian. It's funny how that fake Christian, judgmental Christian thing kind of works. So it's like I'm looking at my stepdad judging him. I'm judging, you know what I'm saying? I went to a church where there was a lot of people that, that were in leadership positions that did some pretty crooked stuff. And I would be like, ah, oh, they jacked up, you know, but I'm I'm the same way. In the South, everybody's a cultural Christian. Like, you got to go to church on Sunday. But once I got to college, it was like, man, I'm straight. I don't need to, I'm not going to no church. I'm good. Like, I'm just going to just do me. The final straw of me faking like I'm a Christian or faking like I'm, I'm in church or whatever was I remember my freshman year of college, I was out just doing my thing, just messing with girls, doing whatever. So I came back to church, and I remember the pastor 
saw me, and I was sitting on the front row. He asked me to stand up. So I stood up. He was like, all right. I remember you used to, one that used to be in this youth group, the Lord is telling me, it's your time. The Lord is telling me that, you know, this is your youth group. You need to be in charge here. I was like, oh, snap. So after that, I just I just left church. Like, like man, skip this junk because I'm like, man, he going to elevate me. He don't know what I'm out here doing. I'm doing all kind of stuff. I was scared for myself, but then I also kind of felt like, man, you should have did a little bit more research on me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, dog, you should have did some more research, man. So I was like, man, this, I'm out of here, dog. In my heart, I didn't care about God. I didn't care about church. All I cared about was just doing me. I didn't care about God, you know? I just was living my life. It took losing some important people in his life to stop thinking about himself and put God first. My grandparents passed away. My grandmother on my dad's side and my grandfather on my mom's side both passed away within a week of one another. And then well, the girl I was dating, I was crazy about this chick. She straight, like, dumped me in the middle of all of that. And then the guys I was doing music with, we started beefing with one another. Like, it was like, it got, like, crazy. I'm like, what the heck is going on? So I remember while I was in my dorm room, after me and these dudes got done beefing, I remember just sitting there and just being like, man, this is just dumb. I think that was the moment that the Lord pulled the scales off my eyes to kind of show me a degree of vanity. And it's like, for a lot of people, that's not a big deal. But for me, that was huge because my granddad was like one of the only stable male figures I, I saw like throughout throughout life. Like, you know, he had his issues, but he was a dude that always took care of his family. You know, he was a dude that, you know, that always was there. So like, that was crazy, and then just I had never really experienced anybody dying that close to. I think that's what the Lord kind of used to push me to Him, and I just gave my life to the Lord in my dorm room, my sophomore year, college. Before he gave his life to Christ, DJ had several rap names, and once he gave up his life, he changed it to Prodigal. And because of too many cases of mistaken identity. He realized a lot of Christian rappers in Tennessee go by Prodigal. So he shortened it to Pro. I'm going to college for music business, and I just get in the program because you can't get in the program until your junior year. And I signed to a record label called Scion Music, and that was my first record deal. So I'm going through all types of classes. They talk about contracts and all of that. And I'm actually being signed to a record label at the time. So there's a little local situation. Pro released a few mixtapes and began to make a name for himself. Once his record deal fell through, he hooked up with Doc Watson and formed the record label Christ Like Entertainment. He put out his debut album, Blackout, under CLE. Oh, gotta love the name, no way that you can stop 
get me recognition was the blackout because I sent it to Rapzilla, this dude named Calvin Moore. He wrote a review on it, said that I'm probably the best Christian rapper or something that's out right now or something. Pro was already a prideful, aggressive dude. So that review, it just fed his ego. But eventually he ran into some fellas that helped to humble him and further his career. I got engaged to my wife. We did a long distance engagement. She had got accepted in the pharmacy school at UT Memphis. So we were like, dang, like we, we had to move to Memphis for like two or three years. Like I'm trying to find out like a church where to go to, all these different things. And this girl that I went to uh, church with in Nashville, Murfreesboro area, she was like, yo, my brother rap, he lives in Memphis. I was like, who's your brother? Uh, this dude named McCray. He's a rapper. I'm like, ah, whatever. I don't care nothing about McCray, whatever. Well, my, my girlfriend at the time moves out there. She's like, uh, yo, I met that McCray dude. So they wind up connecting. She gets plugged into McCray's community group. So uh, at first, I really didn't even like McCray like that. I thought it was a jerk because his sister gave me his number. I called McCray probably like five times. The dude never answered me back. I left messages, all this stuff. I didn't know nothing about, like, 116. I didn't know nothing about how popular these guys were. I just was looking for somebody to connect with while I was in Memphis. He never asked me back. So I was like, man, this all busted. If I'm still living in Murfreesboro, she's in Memphis. Now, I'm hooking up with Tone, and Tone is telling me, like, yo, I'm hooking up with BJ. BJ is Lecrae's homeboy. They, they got this thing called Reach Records, Reach Life. And I'm like, man, I'm tired of hearing about this dude, like, but I was like, man, when I go up there, I ain't even going to mess with them like that. And Tone was like, yo, you need to, like, if you go up there, like, man, they some good people. You should try to connect with them in that, in that sense. So I go up there, like, real skeptical. Like, because I already got this bad taste in my mouth because Lecrae wouldn't answer my phone call. I start building with BJ first because uh, Lecrae, I guess because I was a rapper. And, and now that I'm on the other side of it, I understand because, like, there's a lot of times while we was in Memphis that guys would come and be like, yo, I just want to build with you. I just want to build a relationship with you and be a good friend with you. And I want to uh, wanna know more about God. And then next thing you know, two weeks later, they're like, here's my demo tape. I want to get signed and reach records. So I understand it, especially with me being a rapper. Since my wife was in the church, in the community group, it was no way that I was not going to be able to connect with them. BJ's like, yo, just come kick it. So I came kick to that his crib. And the first thing that I noticed was they could care less about my talent. And that was shocking to me because in Nashville, it's a music industry world. So music-wise, like, that's the only thing that matters out here. First thing, what do you do? You do music? All right, cool. Maybe we can connect on some music. They didn't care anything about my music. All they cared about was how long I've been married. What do you know about, you know, the scriptures? So I wanted to find out was I didn't know anything about the Bible. You know, I've become a Christian in college, but I've never been discipled. So I started noticing that when they said things in the Bible, they could back it up with scriptures and they could really explain it and know exactly what was going on. I couldn't do that. I had no clue what I was talking about. A lot of times I just kind of winged it and kind of talked about what mama said or what my pastor or preacher said at the time. So that was real shocking for me. I think it was a humbling experience because it was one of the first times, because I'm a real alpha male leader type guy, but it was one of the first times that I really kind of felt 
helpless. I felt like I needed to grow. I think because I was getting so connected with BJ, and BJ kind of vouched for me with a cray, like, nah, this dude is not, he's a real deal. Like, he's an honest guy. He's a dude that loves the Lord. He just doesn't know a whole lot. So then Lecrae started reaching out to me. And then me and Lecrae started doing Bible studies. You know, as I was growing in the Lord, they saw that I really was an authentic person. And because of my college degree at MTSU, Reach Records brought me on around the time Tadashi was coming out with Identity Crisis to be an intern for them and to help with marketing. So I'm this rapper dude, but when I'm at Reach, I'm just DJ. So I would do stuff like get coffee for people as I'm interning. Next thing you know, Reach is like, all right, we're out of here. We're moving to Atlanta. Well, I can't move to Atlanta because my wife is in college. They were like, well, you can't really do the, the work that we need you to do for long distance. So we're just going to move and kind of part ways. So I was like, all right, well, that's cool. Testimony. Testimony, where Christian hip-hop artists give you an exclusive look into their lives and their music. Take a journey into the minds of today's top Christian hip-hop artists as they open up and share about their past, their faith, and their music in ways you've never heard before. Put on your favorite pair of headphones or turn the stereo volume up and listen. Everyone has a testimony, and we want to hear yours. Tell us how God has transformed your life. Each month, we will select a person to highlight and interview. Find out more at TestimonyStories.com. Testimony. Download the podcast of Testimony and Musician Story on iTunes. Find out how at TestimonyStories.com. A musician's story. I'm a ticket tear. Let me clear the air. I'm a ticket tear. Let me clear the air. I'm a ticket tear. Let me clear the air. Hey, I don't owe nobody but I pay my dues. Got my Hill Street blues out there on iTunes. Shape them plenty real talk. And even after the music stops, your boy's still a rebel. Yeah, yeah, after the music drops. Pro continued grinding out music and growing his label. CLE now became the parent company to him and Doc Watson's new label, Reflection Music Group. The name comes from wanting to be a reflection of Jesus. His second album, Redemption, released 2010 under RMG. When I put the Redemption album out, it did like charted like number three on iTunes, Christian and Gospel. Jet Magazine wrote about it, and I take consideration. I mixed it. I mixed it myself. And a funny thing people don't know about that album is during the mixing process, my hard drive crashed and I lost all the sessions. So a lot of that stuff was really badly mixed. It was terrible. I recorded it in my room. And like, if you listen to it, you can listen to the mixing and tell it's not really that good. But that's because I did it all myself. And I produced half of it. So, and I, I'm not a mixed engineer at all. That thing does number three on iTunes, Christian, and Gospel with no budget, no music video, no nothing. Only thing I did was put out this documentary, and uh, and I, Lecrae was featured on it, too. And the Lecrae feature, the way that that happened was Lecrae begged me. Like, he asked me five times, dude, let me feature on your album. I want to feature on your album. But me being prideful, like, man, I'm like, I don't want nobody to say the reason why this album being good is because Lecrae's on it. So I kept denying him, kept denying him, like, man, whatever. And it was one last time that he asked me. 
and the Lord just convicted me, like, what if you? What if I'm trying to bless you with this guy Lecrae hopping on your album, and and you're just turning down my blessing? Like, it's obvious he wants to help you. Like, you should just take it and and quit being so prideful. So the last time I was like, bet. So he hopped on the song. Or Lecrae is his master strategist, so I don't know if he was doing this all from the beginning or if it's, I don't know how it unfolds, but all I know is next thing I know, Lecrae's like, yo, you want to hop on this tour with We're doing the Unashamed Tour 2010. I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. So they're like, you're going to get 10 minutes. I was like, all right, you give me, you give me five minutes. I'm going to make the best of that. Well, the day before rehearsal started, I was like, I need an anthem. So... I recorded that song. Now let me hear you say one, one, six. Like I recorded that the day before we had to rehearse for tour, and then I also mixed it myself and all of that, and that just became this anthem that just did so crazy on the tour. Now who I be? Oh. But it don't matter who I is. I tell you who I real. Flow it be that K I N G O F K I N G O. Yes, I'ma put it down for the crowds and it's time I get a microphone. Guarantee it for my flesh in the catacombs. Thank you for listening to Testimony, a musician story. This has been a Brown Theory production and an 83 Media production. To hear this episode again, as well as past episodes, visit TestimonyStories.com. Until next time, I'm Brown Theory, the music lover constantly seeking positive music. God, I have no choice. I don't want one either. Can't you see the king is cleaning me? I got a backpack full of tracks and to keep a tiny Mac better yet, a ESV.